This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, I just realized I made a complete failure out of what I was supposed to do on that last episode, the mailbag episode. That was our 100th episode, and I didn't even say anything about it. Well, we'll try to do better on episode 200, maybe make it a little bigger deal. Or 150, but Sean, uh, I think it's fair that you and I can point out it's been a bad sports season. We picked a bad year to start a podcast, I think. Who has had fun? If you're a UK fan, please reply. Tell me if you had fun. Maybe it's therapy now than anything else. Yeah, and it's it's five games in, but uh, let's let's just run down some things that have happened this season, Sean. It's the worst start since 1984-85. Yikes. It's uh, Cal's. Probably is worst start since when Memphis days. I mean, maybe I don't know if even started this bad at Memphis, honestly. Um, Kentucky, this is the one I actually meant to point out. Today they set a set a record mark. They trailed by 22 points. It was the most they've ever trailed in all of their history of playing basketball at home, which I thought was just stunning. And they damn near won the game, which would have just been an easy story, right? But at the same time, it didn't happen. So we're five games in, Sean. There's been some bad history made already. Yeah, and I think Cal actually did start one and four in his first season at Memphis. Really? Okay. And that team went to the NIT. I think they finished twenty one and fifteen. Uh so they did get to the twenty win mark. I don't know why. Well, so started I off that. here at the top is uh I don't know if there's even gonna be an NIT this year, but if there is, is that where Kentucky's heading? No. They're, they're a tournament team? They're they're a tournament team. And uh I've got a lot of heat for the well not a lot of heat. I think I got a lot more positive reaction than negative reaction because the second half changed my mind, Derek. It was totally a tale of two halves. Uh, I wrote in the, my postgame piece that Kentucky went from hopeless to hopeful in 20 minutes. Like, like they were I, – I, I like it, Derek. I, I, what I saw today in the second half, I've been saying on this podcast for two weeks now that I just wanted to see something. Show me something to make me know that you have a pulse, that the heart's still beating, and you can get it figured out. And the thing that they showed me is they, one, the defensive effort, if that's who they are, they're going to have a chance to win every game that they play. Is this where we are, though, 12 years into Cal, or just you're just hoping no. to see a little glimmer of hope five games? I'm not, you didn't ask me if they were a national championship team or a Final Four team. You asked me if they're a tournament team. Yes, they're a tournament team. Do they have enough to win the whole thing, Derek? I don't think that they do. I think that their offensive issues are always going to be there, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
until guys start shooting the ball. Like B.J. Boston, if he finds his offensive game and he starts hitting threes, then I think this team changes. Uh, I still want to see what they look like with Keon Brooks, but I will say this. They're, they're going to be elite defensively by the end of the year, but here's the problem with that. They kind of have to be elite every single night right now to make up for how bad they are offensively. And I think that's the concerning thing because if they have a bad offensive night, can they survive it in the tournament if they get there? Um, they did find something with Olivier Sar today. They found they found out that they have to play through him. That's when they started hitting some open threes in the second half. Uh, they still have some guys that don't really know their role or how to play. Uh, Devin Askew is kind of giving them nothing right now. His, his energy is good. Uh, that's not a problem. But Derek, he's still passing up a lot of shots. When he pulled that one from the, the corner today, it kind of surprised me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he played uh, – he was down to 22 minutes today. I think that was probably his fewest all year, right? Right around. I think he played 23 or 24, uh, one of those other games. Maybe maybe Kansas. Um. I don't know how to feel about it, Sean. I'm I'm honestly not trying to take like just an opposite view, just or opposite point, just uh be a contrarian, but like I don't know. Like I don't I obviously you can't watch today's game and disagree that they didn't play better in the second half. Clearly they did, especially defensively. But at the same time, man, like maybe I'm being too critical, but like for as well as they did play defensively in the second half, like how did they not win today? I honestly thought there was a time during that round, I think there was around six minutes left. They got down to like four or five. And the way the momentum was going, I, I seriously thought to myself, I was like, damn, they might like win this game going away. Well, And maybe that was stupid of me to think, but like one other point, I don't want to go too far on a tangent. If you were at Rupp Arena today, like give yourself a round of applause because I didn't think that 3,000 people could make that good of an atmosphere. I thought it was pretty fun, Sean. It honestly, didn't you? I mean, it, uh, huh? I, I, it was very fun today. I said, yeah, small, like I said a, at one point, small crowd Rupp Arena is rocking. And it was. It was. Yeah. And it was like and a. They did. They done everything they could. Those, those yeah. fans at times, Derek, in the past, have gotten a lot of criticism for not being loud. And mm-hmm. I think I think who's in the building this year are your true fans. I think that they really want to be there, and I think that they're they're coming to make a difference. And I think they'll pay off at some point in some of these SEC games. But you I mentioned them today. You mentioned that the the game right there when it was four points, they missed a golden opportunity there around the 15-minute mark of the first, of the second half to about the 11, 12-minute mark where they were stringing together stops consecutively. It was during Notre Dame's like eight-minute drought. The first four to five minutes of that drought, Kentucky couldn't get anything themselves. And I think that that ended up ultimately ultimately being the difference in the game is when they wasted four minutes worth of stops that they couldn't get points. If that could have been a 6-7-0 or run, it's a different ballgame. They win the game today. Uh, but I think what you had today, Derek, is Kentucky made some defensive miscues, and Cal was critical. Cal yeah. laid it all out there on one guy, and when you read between the lines, it's Cameron Fletcher. Uh, said that he just he didn't follow the script, and that got on behind – I think what you had, though, today was you had one team in Notre Dame who got hot in the first half. I think Kentucky's the better team. I really feel that way, even though they lost. Absolutely. And that's why I think that Kentucky's going to be okay. Does that mean that the record's going to climb above 500 in the next four games? No, it doesn't. But I think that they found something today. They understand now how hard they have to play. And And the energy was there, Derek, in the second half. And here's the thing. 
had that Olivier Sartre shot gone in, it wouldn't have changed how I feel right now. I still feel like they got something figured out in the second half. They figured out how to fight, and if they can fight, I tweeted it, you can coach mistakes, but you can't coach effort. And that was the first time all season that I felt like they actually cared about how they were performing. And Cal even, his message was go win the second half. I don't think that Cal thought that they would win the game. I don't think he thought that was coming. But they had a chance to do it. Well, they certainly surprised me. I certainly want to make that clear. Um, Talking about the second half, so with 16-22 left, Kentucky trailed after a free throw by Notre Dame. They they trailed by 20. So an even 20 points, it was 53-33. to With 16-22 left, remember that number, 16-22. Notre Dame did not score again. Uh, until the 7:30, or sorry, the 6:55 mark, 6:55. So from 16:22 to 6:55, Kentucky more or less held them scoreless for 10 minutes. And and that was off crazy. a play, and that was off a play that they shouldn't have scored off of. I thought Davion Mintz actually got fouled. Yeah. If I'm not, yeah, right, it's it's right there in front of us in that corner, wasn't it? The turnover. So how, how do you take that though, Sean? Yes, they trailed by 20, but you had a team scoreless for 10 minutes, like. I think in that stretch, Kentucky missed eight out of nine shots as well. And there were some good looks. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, I felt like there was a point where they honestly could have been up like a decent margin had they just like connected on some of those shots the way that the momentum was going. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how I feel about it just because like the opportunity was there for them to win that game. And the fact that they didn't, yeah, you can feel good. I'm not saying you per se, just in general. Like, yeah, you can feel good that they didn't lay down, but like – the issues that plagued them from taking the lead, I think, are real problems. Like, they cannot shoot threes. 24% they, as a team this year or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's that's a concern. Um, but the thing that I keep coming back to, though, is they didn't allow that streak to send it the other direction. They kept fighting. And they gave they themselves did, yeah. a chance to win the game. And that's that's what I'm taking away too. from it. Yeah, I mean, they got down by nine. It felt like with, with 215 left, or actually, let me go up further. So Kentucky had it down to 55-51 with 4.44 left. And then um, it said Hub hit the – yeah, yeah, Hub hit a three, and then Juwan Durham dunked the, dunked the ball. And that put it back to nine with 3.37 left, and I thought it was over. And to UK's credit, you know, they got it down to tw- down to one two times after that and had chances to win. So I do applaud their effort, certainly do. Um, had they laid down in that second half and got destroyed by Notre Dame, I don't know what in the hell we'd be talking about right now yeah, because, I- man – I'll tell you what we'll be talking about right now. Uh, probably our favorite Christmas movies because it certainly wouldn't be Kentucky basketball because I was I was ready to leave. I was like, what do you even write when this thing's over? Like, the nail in the coffin, it's done. They're not recovering because that's the thing. Is I, I fully believe, Derek, regardless of if this team goes to the Final Four or if they go to the Sweet 16, we will look back at this game and it will be the turning point. I think they yeah. figured. I really think they figured it out, and I think they're going to. But figured I, what out though? Like just getting to the NCAA tournament? Like I, I don't know where I feel. Like that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how I feel about this team right now. Like, do you expect 22 from Star every night? I don't expect him to get 22 every game. I, I think Star is going to be one of these guys who will get between 14 and 17, 14, 18 a game. I think that's a real possibility. But I think there's going to be nights where he gets 20 plus. Uh, the, the big thing for me, Derek, that Kentucky will be good when B.J. Boston figures out his game offensively because I think they're going to get enough from Clark at some point. I think he impacts the game in so many ways right now. Now, he did have some turnovers, 
but clearly they're better with him with the ball in his hands. I thought Davion Mintz made some nice plays uh, down the stretch. It, I don't. Davion's on them. I don't know. I mean, we're talking well, about Kentucky here. Is a thing like they're one and four. So and one and four at Kentucky is not acceptable. I wrote that post game. One and four at Kentucky is not acceptable, even when you have an entirely new roster in a pandemic year. It's not. John Calipari will be the first person to tell you, Derek, that moral victories are not accepted when you have a fan base that expects greatness from every single team. But mm-hmm. there's no moral victories. But today, I feel like that there's there's a heart beating inside their chest for the first time, I felt like, in two weeks. And that's step one right now, is to just take something out of this. And now it's one of those things where they know what it takes to play. The energy was unbelievable in that second half. And if they do that then you can kind of overcome some of the bad things that are happening. If they had played that hard against Kansas and against Georgia Tech, I honestly think both those games would have been different. They did not defend in those two games the way that they defended today in the second half. And and the thing that stands out to me is when Saar missed the shot, I tweeted this as soon as he missed it, Every single player on that team went to him. That's not easy to do, Derek, after you fought like hell to give yourself a chance to win. It would have been easy kind of just to sulk and just put your head down and walk off the floor. Terrence Clark literally went to him and lifted his chin up. That tells me everything that I need to know that, yes, they're 1-4 and and it looks bad, but this isn't a team, this isn't a 1-4 and basketball team. A month from now, I, I told you I changed my tone. I told you I changed my tone. The second half literally was the shot in the arm that I needed to kind of get some hope that this team may actually do something and at least make it fun to cover and watch. So five games in, what do we know about Kentucky? I would say potentially elite defensive team, potentially. Let's not forget, Notre Dame put up 48 in the first half. And what did Georgia Tech put on them in the second half? I think they put up a pretty big number, too. But I think still a chance, though. You know, Because, I mean, on the flip side, they held them to 16. They held them to 28%. Notre Dame only made 1-3 the whole second half. And it seemed like Cal's thing was if one guy didn't screw up so much in the first half, they wouldn't have even made those threes. So maybe in his mind he doesn't think it's even that much of a concern. Uh, I would say we know for sure, and perhaps this will turn, and I think you, like what you said, I think a lot of it might be riding on DJ Boston. They're a, they're a pretty bad shooting team. Three-point-wise, they're bad. And it's not the first time we've seen that from Calipari coach teams. I mean, uh, matter of fact, it's it's more rare that they would actually be good versus the bad. So I think that's a concern. Um, turnovers, actually, Sean, how, they only turned it over 11 times a day, and you, you pointed out to me they had turned it over, I think, six times at one point, but all of those were live ball turnovers and they led to buckets 15 points off turnovers yeah, so that was a problem so but 11 as a game though is, is not bad i mean well, that's, that's all right that was the difference is in that stretch there at the beginning of the game they had was it six turnovers i told you yeah six on my ball yeah. and six of those turnovers turned into 15 points which was notre dame hitting threes uh from that point on they turned it over five more times and gave up one more point off turnovers that was it right 16 points off turnovers for the game is that correct on the stats it was twenty. They, 
Notre Dame had 16 turnovers. They scored 22 oh. points in turnover. Okay, that's that's what I was looking so, at. Then. So basically, for Kentucky, 11 led to 22, and for Notre Dame, 16 led to 19. Yeah, Kentucky. okay, that's what I was looking at. Because so the turnover, that's the improvement too. Uh, you saw them limit turnovers. I think that's an encouraging sign. Really bizarre though. Isaiah Jackson had such a weird day. He got he got the two early fouls that kind of threw off his his, his rotation, his playing time. Didn't really make a significant impact today. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of better nights for him, Derek. I think that will help. But it kind of leads me back to what I've been saying, too. I feel like it opens the floor when they split those two apart at times. Uh, I do think that, you know, Cal's line that he keeps coming back to is that you're you're a fraud if you don't have a post presence. They have a post presence, Derek. They have somebody that they can throw the ball to on the block. Uh, at times, that's going to bail them out. I think they are figuring out what they have at point guard with Terrence Clark. I think that Davion Mintz is kind of carving out his role on this team. Where does Devin Askew fall into this? I think it's the big question mark. When Keon comes back, are you going to keep playing De- uh, Devin Askew 20, 21, 22 minutes a game and him giving you kind of nothing across the board? Uh, he had a three today, and I think everything else was like 1-1, one, one, maybe a two somewhere. Uh for a guy in the backcourt that touches the ball a lot, that that's not really doing much for you. I, I have a feeling that Keon could take some of those minutes, and you could see just uh, you know Mintz and Clark and Boston on the perimeter, and then at times Keon moved to the three. Uh, I still think that at most, once we get into January, I think he's going to play seven dudes, and I think Keon will be one of them. Hey, how about this, Sean? You had a positive assist turnover ratio today. Yeah, first time since Moorhead State. Yeah, I didn't realize that until now. Yeah. Also, only six free throw attempts for Kentucky today. That's an extremely low number. I mean, hell, uh, Notre Dame only shot 12, so just not a lot of free throws being taken, period. Uh, no, it should be noted, too, that the call on Olivier Saar, the moving screen, was, was awful. I never saw a replay on that. It, it was so bad, man. It was it was bad. I mean, he was square, like shoulder, yeah. right, in between, right where you're supposed to be. And uh, just a really one of those spots in the game where – even if he had been moving just a, a bit, probably shouldn't even be called. I mean, it was such a close game. The game had been played cleanly. You know, you kind of let that go. But, I don't know if people can see it on TV. Calipari was literally at midcourt uh, trying to help his team get a defensive stop. Like yeah. past where the, Rupp, like where the Rupp Arena Central Bank logo that everybody hates is in front of UK's bench. He he was out past that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he wasn't just at half court. He was yeah. at half court and three steps out onto the floor. And you could see, and Tony Barbie was kind of just like, here's the thing. Tony wasn't going to tell him to get back. Right. Tony was just like saying something, and then Joel finally goes and gets him. And they had already told him to get back in the coach's box one time, but I don't think they actually gave him a warning. They didn't, no. Yeah, because he wasn't fussing, I don't think. So that's one of those situations where, honestly, if an official had seen that, they probably would have had to call technical, right? I, mean, I he, would have, and I would have been like, you you probably have to call. I mean, Cal Perry was literally on the floor. It wasn't like he was just two steps past the coach's box and the ref was being petty. That was like, uh, I, that's as far as, and my years of going to Rupp Arena, that's by far the furthest I've ever seen him out. Yeah, uh, he, he was also encouraging the crowd today in the first half, I believe it was, trying to get them into the game. And that was when it was still – it was when uh, Sar took a charge during the first half, and they were still playing pretty poorly. And he was really trying to motivate the crowd who was there. And, again, we already talked about the crowd doing a doing a great job. 
there was a topic I wanted to bring up. We hit on it a little bit um, in the mailbag episode. If you guys got a chance to listen to that, if not, it'll be a fresh topic, I guess. Dante Allen, the only guy who didn't play, Sean. And uh, I'm not going to be this token, why is the kid from Kentucky not playing? Put the kid from Kentucky in. It's not that at all. But there was a talking point I wanted to have, and it, I wanted to see what you thought. Justin Powell for Auburn tonight scored 26 points in a win over Memphis, and Dante Allen d- didn't even get off the bench. So I've just kind of flipped the thinking on this thing, Sean. The, the talk is always, well, why, why didn't Kentucky offer so-and-so? Just name whatever kid you want from the state who plays at a different school. Like, why didn't they offer him? Well, I've got to the point now, Sean, where my thing is, why well, was you an in-state kid, why would you come to Kentucky? You think Justin Powell would have scored 26 or not for UK or today against he Notre would. Dame? Like, no. Like, he let's be real. There was a better chance minutes. that he would have been in the Allen spot, not even playing, as opposed. And maybe, and maybe uh, Justin Powell is just way better than Dante Allen. That's that's reasonable. I think that could be the case. Maybe it's true. But I'm to the point now, man. We're like, like you said the last episode. Like, what what do you think if you're Dante today? How do you go into practice, and you know tomorrow? and work hard and everything. And we don't know what happens at practice, but I can tell you this. You can't tell me that Lance Ware and these guys have outperformed and done anything significantly better than what Dante Allen could have done. Uh, I mean, if Cameron Fletcher's in the doghouse, where's Dante Allen? I mean, Cameron Fletcher played one minute against Georgia Tech, and then he goes in today and plays four minutes and then gets the post-game treatment that was kind of his fault. So if he's in the doghouse... Dante's in the dog bowl. I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I kept looking down there, and I was like, they're going to go to him at some point, especially when they're just getting destroyed in the first half. I mean, we've we've seen Cal go to Brad at times a couple of years ago when he was here. But wow. he didn't even yeah, go to, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I, see, I, I maybe I'm just being, I would tell you this, Derek, in a year like this, with the transfer rule coming, you know that there's some tampering going on with all these college basketball programs and football programs. Somebody's in somebody's ear calling somebody's family. And Dante Allen, I'm not I'm not throwing this out there. I'm not saying he's going to transfer. But if this season goes like that. Oh, well, yeah, he's going to transfer. Like, why wouldn't he transfer? Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I do. I think there's a really good chance that you see him playing at a Xavier or something if things don't go as planned, just because, I mean, how does he see a path to get on the floor? It's a one-in-four Kentucky team that he's not even playing right now. It's not like, let's use Derek Willis and Dominic Hawkins as an example, uh, which Dominic did play. I mean, he was actually a fairly big part of that team in the tournament uh, his freshman year. But Derek Willis more or less didn't get off the bench for two years. You know why Derek Willis didn't get off the bench? Because he had Julius Randle, Dakari Johnson, Trey Lyles, Willie Colley-Stein, Alex Poitras in front of him, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, which, I mean, I know. Willis wasn't really a five, but those are all guys who he practiced with in the front court. Like that's why he didn't play. Uh, Allen is there's not a log jam in front of Dante Allen, and he's still not playing. And and maybe maybe the one guy uh, in our our last uh, mailbag, the question he asked and said well, more or less said that Allen couldn't play. Like maybe he's right. Um, I'm just saying the point I'm trying to make is under John Calipari, this is not a place for a. Kentucky kid. Or at least it hasn't proven to have been an hell. We've got a pretty big sample size. It's twelve years. Like, well, the two kids who have you would say succeeded from Kentucky were two of the only three kids that Cal has actually recruited who stayed for four years. Well, and 
and I'll say this too, and I'm not saying that Dante's going to transfer. I don't know anything about it. You know, I'm I'm close, and I talk to his family at times, but I have not talked about that or anything. I've not even pursued it because it's I'm not going to ask that question. But I'll, I'll say this: Let's say he does decide that he doesn't want to be at Kentucky. Let's say it's not this year, but it's after next year. That's not a good look for your program, Derek, if Mr. Basketball in your state leaves. Uh, no. And I think that – and this is the thing, too. This this gets – I I've keep coming back to this thought. I talked to somebody about it last night. We, we, we threw out the whole line. You know, Justin Rowland put it out last Sunday. Choosing to be young, it's, it's a choice. It's not a have to. Derek, I don't think it is a choice. I think that they're at a point in this program, and it's just the culture that it is. You could take any kid in college basketball right now and put them at Kentucky, and they think they're one and done. I just think that that's the culture that's created. I mean, everything about the program is geared towards the NBA. It is, and I think that's the thing, that every kid that comes here, regardless of what they've been in high school, they think that it's – it's the NBA, and I, I don't know how you move on from that. Like they're, they've recruited kids that should be juniors right now. Uh, they've recruited kids that should be sophomores. Johnny Juzang should be filling it up right now in this backcourt. And there's your, there goes your shooting problems. Because I, I, th- I texted you last night. He hit a big shot in the final minutes of their win last night. Absolutely cooked a kid and pulled it from about 16, 17 feet. And I, I texted you. I said, there's no way he does that in John Calipari's offense. And if he if he goes off and has a good game Saturday, oh boy, can you imagine? Because Jamal Baker's tearing it up right now at Arizona. Maybe this is me just um, maybe this is just me being wrong. I, I'm I'm welcome to someone telling me I am wrong. So maybe this is just a personal opinion. I feel like there's a kid on. I'm not gonna say every team. I don't think it's been the case for every team. But here here more recently, there is a mold. <laughs> of a kid, the perception is good shooter, can't play defense. And that's Dante Allen this year. Before him, it was Johnny Juzang. Before him, it was Jamal Baker. These are three guys who every other college program in the country, like, you wouldn't even think about. Like, Johnny Juzang anywhere else would not have left Kentucky. Like, what he did his freshman season at a normal program that's not been uh, just so, I guess, overrun by one and done's like people would have been like man that kid had a great freshman year like you'd be really excited for what he could do a sophomore year whereas at Kentucky like you have to worry about those kids leaving like Johnny Juzang should be on this team uh he was good enough to play on this team he was I know he said he wanted to go back for homesick reasons whatever I I think there was more to it than that I think I think if he would have gone out there and been really great all year you think he still would have transferred home for homesickness like no he, he was part of this mold that for most of the season, Johnny didn't really play because Johnny couldn't play defense in John Calipari's eyes. That That's a problem to me when it comes to team building. I think the messaging is a problem. I think, like you said, I think everybody who comes here thinks they're going to be one and done. And if you're here for more than a year or two, you turn into EJ Montgomery and you just leave for no reason. I mean, you got no shot of being in the NBA, but you just be leave. On this team. Supposed to leave. Yeah. And Dante's about to be the same way. And maybe, and again, maybe you could say, well, what's he proven to you, Derek, that he should even be out there? I, I wouldn't say you're wrong on that. I'm just saying this is where this thing's going, is that I'd be stunned if he's part of the team next year. Well, so, here, here's my that thing, leaves you a spot. A guy who should be in his third year in the program, and who are you going to replace him with? Brandon Podzimski, somebody like that, another freshman, who, you know, that's who you're going to replace him with most likely. So I think it's a real problem when it comes to building the team. And, like, you're never going to be able to get old 
if every time you got a kid like like this, I mean, and maybe Dante's not the best best example. I'm really thinking of Jamal Baker and Johnny Juzang. Like those kids did not need to leave whenever they needed. Oh. Like they they need to feel like they have a spot to develop at Kentucky. That yeah, that that's a that's a very good point. Honestly, is those kids have got to feel like there's something there that they have a place, that they have a purpose in in a program that's you know tailored towards one and dones, Derek. And here's the problem you run into when these one and dones or these freshmen are struggling their way through. There's nobody there to lean on right now, and, and it's not right no. to expect Olivier Sar to be that guy. He's in a new program. Everything's no. new for Olivier Sar. Olivier Sar right now is their best player, but he's technically a freshman when it comes to Kentucky basketball. I mean, he's learning an entirely new system. Uh, same can be said for Nate Sestina last year, and he's got Reed Travis. Like, it doesn't matter uh, who it is. E.J. Montgomery should be in this front court right now, and Johnny Juzang should be in the back court. Jamal Baker yeah. should be there. And, I mean, it's not – the thing that I'm getting at, Derek, is are those kids are harder to keep happy – than the one and dones, because I just think that they don't see their worth in the program. Yeah, I just think yeah. that they think that it, it's listen. If I if I were that kid, it'd be hard to see yourself, even though you're fighting. I don't think it's a and people like to write off as well. They saw that they they weren't good enough or so. I don't think that's true. I just think they kind of look at it and see that it's just one of those things that. Let's say it. Cal likes his five-star freshman. Derek Cal likes his top ten, top fifteen recruits, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Those kids are really good, and those are the kids that have the NBA potential right out of the gate. Uh, but you need Johnny Juzings in your program. You need Jamal Baker's in your program. I mean, Jamal Baker has got it figured out at Arizona this year. Uh, I think Johnny Juzings is going to have a big year for Arizona, for UCLA. I, you got to find a way to keep those kids in your program, and you also got to find a way with the Ashton Hagenses and, you know, the E.J. Montgomerys that they want to stay if things aren't working out. Like, it just, does, it, does, it just doesn't make sense to leave a place like Kentucky when you're not ready. Yeah, and, and I told you this last week, I think, and, and maybe people will be like, well, you, you weren't even alive in the 90s, so you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I was alive in the 90s, not really to follow basketball. But I told you 20 years ago, more or less, Ashton Hagens would have been somebody, but by the time his fourth year of college rolled around, would have been competing basically to be like an All-American, not a guy who bells out at college for two years and goes undrafted. So that's what I'm trying to get at. And it's been easy, a lot of the Cal Perry era, to be honest with you, to say, well, if a guy like, like some of those guys, I'm just trying to think of someone off the top of my head. Maybe a, maybe a freshman who didn't. I don't know. Let's just use James Young as an example, even though James Young was actually pretty decent at Kentucky. Like he did, pretty much didn't stick in the NBA, but at least I think he was still a lottery pick. So maybe he's not the best example for all I'm trying to say. The point I'm trying to get at is the guys you had coming in the next year. Like you didn't really hurt not having James Young on that team. Would you would you agree with that? Like the yeah, team that nearly undefeated did not miss not well, having. You had James Devin Young. Booker. You had Devin Booker coming in. You had the Harrison twins back. You had Tyler Eulis. Yeah. I mean, you didn't miss. There was there was something there to fill that void. And I think there was a time in all the Calipari era where, yeah, those five star freshmen that were coming in, maybe they were going to be better for sure. But like this year, you can't tell me that BJ Boston's better than Johnny Juzang yet. Maybe he'll end up being that way. 
And when you talk about some guys, and this is just me airing my grievances now, I guess, but, like, the leash that Devin Askew has been given through five games, I absolutely think it's because he was, like, a highly rated freshman, and Cal's just, like, keeping that thing going. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Johnny you didn't see Johnny Juzang get that leash. You don't see anybody else get that leash. Like, Askew was giving them virtually nothing in five games, and he plays a ton of minutes. Yeah. And it's just like, man, like, he picks some guys, and, like, there are guys he chooses that – He's going to ride or die with them, and it seems like maybe now he's starting to back away a little bit, but I'm sure it's just because they're losing games. I think if they would have found a way to beat Kansas or would have found a way to beat Georgia Tech or won today, I'm not so sure that he wouldn't have backed off uh, going to Davion. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just wrong and I'm rambling. and I, I don't know. I just think that uh, his favorites or anything, because I do think Cal's – unlike some people who think Cal only cares about getting kids in the NBA, I do think he actually cares about winning games. But, yes, I do think he has – I think he picks guys and he's going to ride with them over some others. Well, you mentioned, you know, ask you, Johnny Juzang's not getting that leash. No. And stuff. He he wasn't going to get it. He was an emergency get late in the process. But I think that I think he's also a kid that had a ton of potential, Derek. And I think we saw it last year. Yes, he was behind defensively, but he could impact the game with his shot. And that's the thing. Like Cal. Where does Charles Matthews fall in this conversation? He falls at the top of the list. I, th- I think he has to just just given the career that he had and where he took Michigan. I mean, he went to the national championship game, Derek, and yeah, played in the Final Four, great, and he was an player. impact player, a very good college basketball player that kind of saw the writing on the wall for the next year. Which I get it, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox. That was the uh, example I probably needed to use more than any of those other guys that he used. Was him like you could write off. Matthew's not being there the next year because Malik Monk was a freak. Okay, but then the next year, Sean, when he would have been a junior and you had Quad A Green <laughs> yeah. starting at the two, that's when you really miss Charles Matthews. You did. And that's where other programs don't fall in that spot where well, they're having to start Quad A Green. If Charles Matthews is on that team with Shea Alexander and Kevin Knox and those pieces, that's a pretty good basketball team. Yeah. Like that's a team that makes a run to the Final Four, in my opinion, with P.J. Washington and those guys. uh that's the thing is it may not hurt you when they initially, like when Jamal Baker initially left, it doesn't kill them. Like they still had enough to be good, but this is a year where you would have liked to have had a Johnny Juzang in your program. And I'm not saying anything about EJ Montgomery. EJ Montgomery made up his mind. He was leaving. Right. Like that, that was, I don't know that there was some bad advice there too, Derek. That wasn't just all EJ Montgomery. There was some other factors that played into that. Johnny Juzang just wasn't happy. And I think that it's one of those things where you see B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark and these guys coming in. I don't think it's running from competition. I think it's one of those things where you see, I need to play. I, I want to. I have dreams too. I want to get to places and go places. And I think that's the decision that Johnny made. And uh, it'll be painful to watch for Kentucky fans if they lose to UCLA and Johnny Juzang has a very good game. But that's the. Yeah. That's the thing of it is Cal kind of has to face it next week. And let's say, what what if he lights Kentucky up for 20? Then what's what's the message? That makes a 1-4 and four season look a lot worse if they lose that one and that happens. Uh, but I don't think that – that's what I'm getting at. I think they're going to beat UCLA. Well, if they lose to UCLA and Juzang plays well, and then they lose again to Louisville and they're one and six. I don't, I don't know what the fan base pulse is going to be. It's... No, and and that's the thing. We we sort of got off here on the the Dante Allen track, and it took us down a rabbit hole that I think we've all thought about at some point and had some opinions about, and we needed to talk about it. 
but I, I don't want to get away from Derek that I don't think that they I think that they got some things figured out today. One, they learned how to fight, and that's a starting point. If you can fight, then you can get up off the mat and throw a punch. And I think that's the thing that I want to look at and see where do they take this. It's a one-point loss. It sucks. You don't ever forget the feeling. Don't ever forget how they felt today. They fought to the end, came up short. Don't put yourself in that position to have to fight like that again. But also we'll say one thing. We found out today that this team has got to press. He's got to get them moving, and he's got to get them active, Derek, because that's when they took it to another level is when he just let them play and let them go. And at times, they hadn't obviously they hadn't done it a ton because when Jacob Toppin scored, he was supposed to be picking up pressure, and he was at the other end of the floor. Like that tells me they don't do it a ton, but I think that's what suits this team. Cut them loose, let them press, let them get up and down the floor and be the athletes that they are, and I think that that helped them today. I agree with that. I'll be curious to see if he goes. I mean, I think Terrence Clark, you know, right on the ball as soon as the team inbounds it, I think that can be a problem. And then Isaiah Jackson there too, coming up and trapping with his length. Uh, they have some things to like about them. They're they're not as bad as what their record is, Derek. I'm, they're not. Uh, I was harsh on them the last two weeks, but I'm telling you that second half, that final 20 minutes today showed me enough that if they can play 40, they have a chance to be a good basketball team. I like Notice that I didn't say great, though. I'm not sitting here, and I'm not going to tell you they're going to the Final Four because I think we've kind of seen enough to know that they have to get a lot figured out if that's who they are. One, they have to shoot the basketball better. Two, Terrence Clark has to be kind of really good at point guard. I think he has to be Tyreek you know, Tyreek Evans or you know that magnitude. Uh, but there are pieces in this program right now to be good enough to to make a run if they get it figured out. The problem is you kind of got to get it figured out fast because you have no non-conference resume as it stands. They got to win the next two. You got to win the next two going into SEC play because I don't know what it's going to look like this year. I don't know what the committee's going, you know, to kind of base things off of, but you have to assume that resume is still going to be a resume even if it's a shortened season. They have no wins right now. Nothing. There's yeah. nothing on the resume with opportunities. The only game that honestly would have helped the resume is had they beaten Kansas. This one I don't think would have helped the resume, but if you lose them, it kills you. Yeah, I'm looking up the ACC preseason basketball rankings. So we're talking about resume. Kentucky, and I know this is not how it's played. I mean, he actually played the games, but Kentucky's lost to the ninth preseason number nine team in the ACC in Georgia Tech and number 12 in Notre Dame. Well, ACC is a good league, but uh, that's not that's not good. Like I think those are losses that I don't even know all the what, – what, it's not called tier, I don't think. Uh, quadrant, right, quadrant. Quadrant one, quadrant two, all this stuff they use for wins and losses. I don't – those teams aren't going to be very good, though. I mean, they're going to be – they're not Evansville-type losses by any means like last year that killed UK – well, would have killed UK uh, had there actually been a selection Sunday. But um, I don't know. Sean, let's just revisit this in a week, I guess. See how it is after Cleveland. See what kind of improvements they've made. Um, I'll say this: if you're Chris Mack, I mean, you've got to beat Kentucky this year, right? You, you can't lose to this Kentucky team if you're him. <laughs> you can't. If you if they lose to Kentucky this year, then you might as well just go ahead and say you're never going to beat Kentucky. Just, uh, but like I said, I think that they'll beat UCLA. I, I just do. I, I I have a feeling that they got enough figured out today. Now I'll tell you this. If they come out and they perform poorly against UCLA, then they wasted that second half. That second half has to propel them forward, Derek. That that has to be 
that's the film that I show. I don't show the first half film from today. Because honestly, if in the coaching mindset of this, you don't want them to see what they were. You want to you want them to see what they what they were those final twenty minutes. Throw out the rest of it. Burn every single piece of tape that you have up until the final twenty minutes today, and you show them that twenty. And that's that that's what I go forward with. I'm like this. This is where you have your ingredients. Now we're cooking something. Now you get it figured out. You get a, you get Keon back here in a couple of weeks, hopefully, and then you get some other things figured out, and you got another week of practices here. And I mean, certainly, I mean, Cal's turned around some ugly situations at times. Uh, I mean, I've I've written them off in the past, Derek. So I don't think I'm ready to write them off yet. I just I think that having some fight goes having fight goes a long way with me, and it's the coaching mindset that when when stuff gets hard. Uh, you got to find out. You find out what you're made of, and I, I still think the picture at the end of the day today, when they all went and picked up Sar, it goes a long way in a locker room. And I think the feeling in that locker room at halftime and at the end of the game was significantly different. And I, like I said, they went from hopeless to hopeful. And I, I just think that now at least you have a pulse. You have something to build on. What do they do with it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong on any of that. Um, one and four is one and four, and um, they really need to win next weekend against UCLA. So uh, that's about all I have, Sean. I don't really have anything else to add unless you yeah. do. Well, we, we do know this. We do know that this team's going to enter conference play under 500. Uh, Derek, I don't know when you can ever find that. I mean, you'd have to go back way back to find oh, something like yeah. that. Usually uh, they play what uh, half their schedule pretty much, right? Yeah. Well, they play eighteen SEC. Oh, four, they usually play fourteen games, I guess. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this before we wrap up: Had this been a normal year, what do you think? What do you think they'd be right now? Do you think that they would? Do you think we'd still be sitting here? Talk. I mean, they would have won some of those mid-major games. I think they'd have won all of them, honestly. Like if they'd have played like. Monmouth or something like that. They would have won those games. I mean, obviously they looked good against Moorhead State, but they're going to get a lot more out of this than what they would have if they'd have got that, honestly. Like, it goes both ways, Derek. They would have got some wins, but what would it have mattered? This team needed to kind of be humbled, and I think they've been humbled right out of the gate. And I think that's the thing that now what you have is they've learned how to fight. In 20 minutes today, they learned how to fight. They learned how to punch back. And that was the concerning thing. When you're getting your brains beaten in, we've seen it before. It could have went, it, that game could easily turn into a forty point loss. Yeah, but it didn't. It turned into a shot at the buzzer with a chance to win it. It didn't go in, and had it gone in, I wouldn't feel any different than what I feel right now. Sure, two and three looks a lot better than one and four, but I still think that they got something figured out. I think that. Uh, like I said, I'm not I'm not ready to say that they're going to be great and go to a Final Four or anything like that, but I think that they're certainly better than what they performed up until that second half today. And I I think everyone will want to see that. If they just can match the intensity, then they're going to be okay, I think. Butch yeah. Jones was named Arkansas State head coach. Why am I just now seeing that? There's some wild things going on in sports right now. LSU's beating Florida in the fourth quarter. I think I think you know, Illinois basketball might have lost to Missouri. Missouri, yeah. Yeah, uh, USC. If you care about college football, USC is losing to UCLA. There's, it's ten oh nine Eastern time here recording this, and 
Let's take it home, Sean. Let's let's watch the end of these games. Yeah. Well, the Butcher's Pub will be opening back up sometime this week, hopefully, if uh, everything goes as planned with restaurants returning to in-person dining. Uh, you know that I'll be out there getting that buffalo chicken sandwich at some point. Two locations, Palmville, Kentucky, Williamsburg, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or you can check them out on Facebook. Derek, this was episode 101 of Kentucky Daily. So we've eclipsed the century mark, and we're grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast. Sorry for a weird week. We did get some content out there to you. And uh, it's kind of hard at this point in the year. No football and now just one basketball game a week. But, Derek, I think this would be a good week to get a couple of basketball guests on to kind of come on and talk about just exactly what they're, they're seeing from this team. Yeah, and we got signing day Wednesday, so yep. that'll be a busy week. Busy week for sure. Well, he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.